Algar Productions. Despite the title, the following podcast is most decidedly not for kids. This is the Kids Love Batman podcast with your hosts, Matt Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Episode 19, The Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne and Heart of Steel with Mike Warner. Hi chums, it's week 19 and uh, we have a new new to us guest, yeah. uh, Mike Mike X is here. Hey, welcome. How's, how's it going Mike? Mike it's... has been with us as a listener since literally the beginning, for yeah. like the 11 years we've been podcasting. <laughs> Uh, and we somewhat recently discovered, oh, he's also an amazing uh, artist who has has drawn some stuff for us for our Star Trek show Endeavor. Uh, he's done some uh, some other artwork here and there. It's it's uh, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, well, thanks. It's good to be Absolutely. here. Absolutely. And why why specifically did you choose this pairing of episodes? Yeah, Which I was wondering these... that too, actually. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, when I have when I watched this show originally, um, I remember the robot episodes. Um, Mm-hmm. This two-parter, Heart uh, of Steel, I remember really enjoying because robots are are pretty cool. I mean, that is yep. true. And yeah, it's very. True. Then there is the subsequent uh, follow-up to that that um, was probably one of my favorites. So uh, that's why I chose that. Now, I'm I'm curious uh, if if you don't mind, how old are you? Like, how old were you when the episode aired? Is more what I'm getting uh, at. I was when this show started. I was in college. Um, okay, mm. so you're you're about my age then, because yeah. yeah, I was yeah. I was seventeen, eighteen years old when this came out. So, because it's a very different thing to see a robot episode when you're when you're ten and say this is amazing than when you're twenty. Yes, like, mm. different experience. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, that's fair. Uh, and they are some great robots. As a as a longtime robot enthusiast, I oh, was yeah. very pleased. Even but, I, a robot dilettante, really enjoyed them. <laughs> yeah, I mean we've 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 said this for years. You're the monster guy. I'm the robot. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, well, um, I, I I mean, I don't want to come down too hard on one side or the other, but um, there there is one side that's that's the correct side. I see. We are in the the serious minority, at least in in the group that I travel in. So, <laughs> a lot of a lot of not only monster lovers, but monster the straight up monster fuckers. Yeah, there's that, that too. So. Yeah, there's like my my wife is an unapologetic just just uh, wants to have sex with monsters. It's so, it's yeah, it's I'm... nice that we've reached the point where people can be open about that, you know. That's true. In in my lifetime, it was it was not seen as acceptable, you know, when I was young, and now people can be out and proud, and I guess yeah. that's good. Want to fuck a, w- a wolf man? You have to keep it to yourself. No longer. Yeah. Nope. Nope. All right, but before we get to the robots, mm-hmm. we first have get to, to the deal... psychiatry episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Conolingus and psychiatry brought us to this. Uh-huh. That's a line from uh, The Sopranos. Uh, Matt, first, why don't you tell us about, this is maybe one of my favorite titles. Oh, yeah. For an episode. The Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne. A dark night in Gotham City, and a dark night observes as Judge Vargas makes a clandestine meeting with a car full of Roland Daggett's newest goons. The goons in question, including Numbers, a guy who can count money purely by sound like some kind of Scrooge McDuck, have a tape that Vargas is willing to die for. 
Batman saves her life and the day, but the goons escape with Vargas's tape, leading Batman to go undercover as millionaire playboy Bruce Wayne at Vargas's latest vacation spot, a spa owned by Dr. Hugo Strange. Hey, anyone else notice how many spa-related crimes Batman prevents on this show? Was that a big thing in the 90s that I didn't know about because I was in Canada, a land where spas have been banned since the 60s? Anyway, Bruce has his first meeting with Strange, who uses his new technology to peer into Bruce's mind. Let's see, Hugo says in his weird Dracula accent. Uh, you got all sorts of uh, emotional trauma from all, all about your parents dying. Yeah, says Bruce. Everyone knows that. It also says you're the vigilante known as Batman, Strange replies. Okay, Bruce says. Those memories may require some context. But it's too late. Hugo takes the tape of Bruce Brains and prepares to sell them to the highest bidder. The highest bidders in this case are the Joker, Two-Face, and Batman's second scariest foe, the Penguin. Luckily, Batman is able to sabotage his own memories, and then his villains try to kill Strange by throwing him out of a plane. Frankly, I think these three villains can do better, but uh, nobody had the time to put the Joker's face on anything. Anyway, so then Batman arrests everybody, and then Strange crows about how he knows who Batman is, but then Bruce Wayne shows up, so fuck him. It's actually Robin in a mask, but seriously, fuck off, Hugo. Nobody likes a smuggo. So, okay, I w I'm really wondering about this. I know Hugo Strange is a guy in the comics. Mm -hmm. What's his deal in the comics? Therapist who wants to be Batman. Wants to be Batman. Yes, he psychoanalyzes Batman, and then he wants to be Batman. That's sort of the thing that keeps popping up. Also, sometimes he makes monster men. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, I know you want to talk. This... We were talking. To, we were talking to, on the on the the Patreon episode about how Wonder Woman's got a whole lot of stuff going on. Uh -huh. Hugo Strange also has a whole lot of stuff going on. Well, I mean, he is strange. Mm -hmm. And Hugo, but, uh, this he's also Hugo. Mm -hmm. Th this has its roots in some comic stories. And Matt or uh, Mike, this actually takes us to your good thing. Uh, yeah, it does. Um, uh, some of the stories that I have really enjoyed from Batman are the Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers stories from the seventies. Um, like a lot of people know the Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams stuff, which is, mm -hmm. that was my first taste of like serious Batman in the comics, but the Englehart and Rogers stuff is um, the stories are ridiculous and bonkers, but the art is just gorgeous. Mm. And um, so anything that uses stuff from those stories um, I just love, um, this one, um, not quite as, is just out there crazy as those original stories, but, uh, still now, is it, is it true to the story or did they, did they make it less ridiculous for the show? Um, they kind of did that. Um, I mean, there yeah. were, there are elements where, um, you know, once strange figured out who, who Bruce was, he, wanted to dress up as Batman and kept, kept <laughs> Oh, so that was there the whole time. Sedated. That's not just something that came um, later. Yeah, it's it's been a while since I've reread those, but um yeah, he, he kind of got out there and I think at the end of that story he actually got killed. Um oh. so no more Hugo Strange till Yeah, ever again. Ever again. Yeah, he was gone. Mm -hmm. That's because that's how death works. Yeah. So it's in comics, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> so we had talked at some length uh, a few weeks ago about the sort of platonic ideal of a 70s Batman story. Would you say what we were talking about was that uh, uh, O'Neill Adams stuff or does this sort of apply as well? Um, maybe in different ways. I mean, the O'Neill Adams stuff is probably 
pretty ideal 70s Batman. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of serious, but um, not like complete grim, serious, right. vengeance Batman like you see in when you get into the 90s um, sure, right. and on. But um, it's it's serious. It's thinking Batman, detective Batman. Um, <laughs> no, uh, has anybody seen the Joker Batman? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember I I this was just from digging through some back issue bin at some point. I I found one it was like him and Sherlock Holmes and yes. the, the comic book store guy said like this is the best Batman issue ever. Oh, should I have that somewhere? I do too. I yeah. just shook my head and put it down cuz I fucking hate Sherlock Holmes. If that's but, the one I'm thinking of, that is my favorite Batman cover of all time. Uh, it's like right. peering over Sherlock's shoulder. Or... Yeah. Yeah. And it's the full-on cartoon Sherlock Holmes with the deerstalker yep. and the the, yep. the big magnifying glass, you know, like one in- index finger raised, like ah, I have it. <laughs> Fuck off, Sherlock. I can see from the cowl on your face, Batman, that you first yeah. came from. All right, oh, I think boy. we can go now. <laughs> Wait, come back! I have an elaborate thing to tell you about. Well, maybe I need a sidekick too. <laughs> <laughs> A jam? Is that jam here? Where's the jam? Watson's standing in the corner, sadly. Mm-hmm. The exciting adventures of Sherlock and Robin. Uh-huh. Um, Matt, what was your good thing? Uh, this is the first time the animated series has done the whole all of Batman's villains get together, and that shit is my entire jam. Mm-hmm. Um, It's a trope that gets really overused these days, especially in the comics, like... Everybody thinks it's like it's like a new original idea to have all of Batman's villains show up at the same time. But like this back when I was a kid watching this and fucking three different villains got out of that plane to go to go fight Batman. That is 100 percent my jam. Anything that wants to capture that United Underworld thing is fine by me. Yeah, and it was kind of a surprise to me, like, the episode isn't structured in a way where you expect it. That's no. The second act starts, and, the like, you see Hugo Strange pick up the phone, and then you see what is clearly the Joker's lair. and like The Joker's wait, house. Are, yeah. Are they actually gonna... They are. He's in this, huh? And from a production standpoint, it it's surprising that they got all those, like, they got... Paul Williams and uh, Richard Mall and mm-hmm. Mark Hamill all at the same time because I would imagine they cost a little more than like your your standard sort of voice actor. Oh, I'm sure. Like it it was cool and an unexpected twist. Like I really like that. Yeah, the only thing that could have made it better is if we'd gotten like some more villains in there. You know, get uh, like Scarecrow, Poison Ivy. Yeah, but I'm trying Clay to think face. of who who Clay of face his guys. Money. I was gonna say neither. We talked about this in the in sort of our pre-show chat. Like n- neither does the Scarecrow. <laughs> And Poison Pam doesn't give a fuck about money. I'm not using. I, I'm not using any money. It's made out of trees. Okay, whatever. Well, no, it's got cotton fibers. That's also plants. It's all plants. <laughs> and call I me mean, when you start paying for stuff in steak. Who else do we have at this point? We have Clayface, who might have some money. He was an actor. I mean, we could get into the shitty guys. Yeah, we get Boss Biggest at the back trying to pay for it in gold ore. Rolling Daggett. <laughs> I mean, Roland Daggett was was funding all of this. Yeah, he I think, gets, uh, yeah. gets name checked in this, but doesn't actually show up, which surprised the hell out of me. No, but you said the goons were his, so I think he's on like Stranges on his payroll. Like, yeah, that, that's 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 what they imply. Yeah, yeah. So he is kind of involved already. He just you doesn't think, show up. You would think Strange would just automatically give him that information. 
I kind of like Strange being like, one, I like him being like sort of going off and doing his own thing. Just like, mm -hmm. I'm going to make some extra money this way. And two, I like him being completely over his head when this when stuff starts going wrong. Wait, super villains are dangerous? I had no idea. Blah. Who would have ever thought that just by calling the Joker, I would bring an entire shitstorm down on my <laughs> whole operation? See, my good thing kind of builds on yours and, and actually speaks to what you're talking about, because I specifically love that these three, we get to the point where they're trying to outbid each other. Mm -hmm. And they say, wait a minute, let's pool our resources, dummies. We all want this information. Why yep. don't we just throw our money in a pile? And it's like... There's never that inevitable, tropey, predictable moment where they all turn against each other. They're working together the whole time, and it was it was refreshing to see that. Yeah, I, like <laughs> just they're they're not they're in this together to stop Batman, and that's it. Mm -hmm. I like that. I just love them interacting so much. This is actually this is my bad thing. Like, there's an entire sequence where Joker, Two Face, and the Penguin are all on a plane together, and we mm -hmm. don't get to see any of that conversation. That would be amazing. I mean, you're not wrong, but also it would kind of take focus away from the point of the episode. I get that, but also that is the only, like, if I was doing this episode, that is the only thing I would write. Well, I mean, I get it. That's, I want to see that as well. But, you know, that would definitely be a whole episode of the Harley show. Uh-huh. What you reading, Penguin? It's called a book. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> see, I figured it would have taken him about five minutes and they'd all try to kill each other and <laughs> yeah but see that's what i'm saying with my good thing is they're th this time they're not this time they're all being good so you know two-face every five seconds flipping his coin should i kill everyone on this plane <laughs> you guys got I lucky 800 yeses <laughs> i switched it out to his double-headed double-crossed out coin we're fine <laughs> <sighs> but no it was it was fun seeing all those guys um, all right, let's do bad things. Mike, what do you got? Um, well, I've got some thoughts about this. Um, so sure. while, while Bruce is under hypnosis or whatever it is, um, he reveals that he's motivated by vengeance, which mm -hmm. I get that that's part of his whole deal, but that's just not my favorite interpretation of the character. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I really like how Batman is one of those characters that can be interpreted in so many different ways, but, um, oh, yeah. To me, if he's just vengeance man, grr, um, he's he's just as psychologically damaged as his villains. Mm -hmm. And I I like the idea better that I've seen in different stories where he's somebody that's dealt with his trauma and has decided he wants to make sure that other people don't have to go through what he's gone through. Yeah. Um, the thing is, he says that out loud. He says that to Hugo as Hugo's looking at his like his thoughts mm -hmm. he's like no that was a trauma that i dealt with like he's clearly trying to tell himself yeah that, but i guess on some level he still thinks and and you're not wrong i don't love that take either it's it's yeah. not the best yeah. now ba yeah. batman who's just motivated by vengeance is just the punisher right i have, I have different books for that <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean and a bunch of them say batman on the cover unfortunately <laughs> yeah they sure fucking do oh. don't they uh-huh no, I, I'm with you guys. Like, mm. I prefer that. But on the other hand, this version definitely, like, this isn't the first time. This doesn't come from out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, that that whole famous speech from that throwaway episode, the I yeah. am the knight. Doesn't yeah. he say I am vengeance? Isn't that part I am of that? vengeance. I am the knight. Yeah. Blah-bitty-blah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
That's I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. Oh, kids love vengeance. Blah bitty blah. <laughs> that's you know, the Conroy really sells it. I don't do it. Justice, <laughs> no, I don't. I like. I this is kind of my no prize explanation. Is just like subconsciously he's still dealing with that, but he knows that's not the right mm. the right move. Because like I say, he says it out loud. He says like I'm I'm dealing with my trauma. I'm trying to you know. I am darkness. I am dealing with my trauma. I am Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. Um, Actually, it's nice to hear from him. Honestly, that seems you know psychologically, it's probably pretty good. Yeah, it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, good for you, Batman. But we also know he doesn't see a therapist because in the uh, Madison Haddison episode where he's trapped in that dream, uh, he goes to Leslie Tompkins, who says, "I'm not a psychiatrist. You should talk to a psychiatrist." Like, that's who he goes to if he has questions about his sanity because he doesn't see a therapist. I mean, in his defense. Every therapist in Gotham City is a villain. Yeah, that's true. Also, they it would not take long for them to figure out what his deal is. <laughs> if he was even remotely honest with them. Yeah. Well, I mean, so it doesn't... Ta- I, I mean, we've only had two sessions, Bruce, but I'm pretty sure you're Batman. Mm. For one thing, you've said the word bat 837 times. <laughs> Every Rorschach blot you thought looked like a bat. Mm-hmm. You, uh... You disappeared from Gotham for about 10 years after your parents were murdered, and as soon as you came back, Batman started appearing. Also, you're wearing a Batman shirt underneath your regular shirt. Oh, I'm going to Comic-Con later. That's uh... Oh, well, that's fine. <laughs> I'm actually Superman. <laughs> that guy's not a thing yet. <laughs> so my bad thing is pretty low-hanging fruit, but we all noticed this. Mm. This, this was not the A animation <sighs> team. It sure wasn't. There were some real, like, in particular, some real um, scale issues. Oh, like yeah. Some some proportion. Like, at least once one of Strange's hench people looked like a little person. He looked like about half the... Like, he looked like penguin height. Yeah. And he wasn't. It was just... Everything was just so badly proportioned. And uh, there was some... Uh, just a lot. Just... There was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't care for any of it. No, it's... It looks very bad it's it's stuff that i would forgive like you know when i watch the like the transformers or gi joe that kind of stuff it's like yeah that's just what the show looks like whatever but the show because it for one thing because at the at the uh storyboard stage it's obviously still excellent and because so many other episodes look good it just it makes you notice it so much more like Mm -hmm. oh the the art on this is exquisite and then they animated it like like a fucking middle schooler doing a flip book. <laughs> Come on, guys. And this is the part where the Joker gets on the plane. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's and great, like, Timmy. You can tell like every every twentieth frame looks amazing, and then all the in betweens, he's got like you know a weird curly mustache and uh, <laughs> just not good. You know that thing people do when they're uh, when they're vandalizing sure drawings. I thought you were referring to the uh, Cesar Romero Joker. Also that. That wasn't a curly mustache. It, it could have been. Like a dad stash. What if I curl my mustache? Is that better? Mm-hmm. Oh, that guy was amazing. Yeah. Uh, So my, hey, it's that guy. Mm-hmm. I uh, had to dig a little for this one. But the guy playing Hugo Strange, what I was interested in is, um, because we've talked about this. I, I mean, I've talked about this a lot. Just the, the way uh, they cast usually people with the actual accent rather than 
getting someone to do a silly voice. And in this case, it was clearly someone putting on a silly voice. You don't say. Uh, and it turns out this guy, uh, Ray Booktenica, I think mm-hmm. is how you say that, uh, was a very busy character actor that you might know from a lot of things, but we would know him best as one of the only non Wayun Vorta on Deep Space Nine. Try to remember, so. there was only like two, I think, non Wayun Vortas. Yeah, and, and one of them was Iggy Pop, so that helps. Okay, so he that was he that was the one the Ferengi killed. So he must have been the one in that forest episode. I think it was in the prison. I don't, I don't remember. You could be right. I'm just gonna have to watch all of Deep Space Nine again. Damn. It. I mean, fair. Yeah. Oh no. But no, yeah, stop, I wish. Don't. I wish if they wanted to go weirdly Eastern European with him, they would have cast a weird Eastern European. Yeah. As well. It's a bad at like it's it's a hundred percent Dracula. Yeah. Is that what Hugo Strange is supposed to sound like? I mean. I don't know. I thought he was okay. just a guy. But like, I honestly don't I, know. I could definitely see them playing up the German scientist thing. If you were following my Twitter, you definitely saw me post him next to a picture of Professor Sm- uh, Scratch and Sniff from Animaniacs. <laughs> the other yeah, bald German scientist from Fox I, Kids. I, I don't. I mean, it wasn't German. It was definitely more Eastern European, like a like a. I mean. You know, Transylvania. But, yeah. You know, like Romanian or, or Czechoslovakian or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but it's I mean, still like, the same thing. I've only seen him li- like in some like stuff like, you know, like TV or something a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And like. As far as I can tell, yeah, he's they they always give him the weird Eastern European accent. Mm. I mean, do they do that thing that comics do where they write the the dialect you know that chris claremont thing oh yeah not that i've ever seen hmm. what about you mike you've you've read some of his adventures is that the right word for him um, maybe is there, no i've never the adventures seen adventures of hugo strange like you know when you you read characters and they uh you know you you get the sense of their voice um i've mm-hmm. i've never had that with him mm. um hmm. never anything phonetic so yeah, I right. just thought he was a guy. Yeah, a strange mm-hmm. guy. A strange yeah. guy in Gotham. He's played by B. D. Wong, which is good casting. Uh, do I know who that is? He's been in a ton of stuff. Um, yeah, I feel like I know who that is, but I can't place him right now. Uh, number biggest thing I know him from is Jurassic Park. Ah. <laughs> well, I'm not going to talk about that because then everyone's going to yell at me. Yeah, sorry. Talking Everybody to the else only likes guy Jurassic who didn't Park. Like that movie. I know. I know. I don't get it. I will never get it. But I know. I married the only other person who mm. like, who doesn't like Jurassic Park. So I mean, I'm, that's good planning on your part. Comfortable with that choice. Now that was just serendipity. That's not how we met or anything. <laughs> you met at a hating Jurassic Park convention. Yeah. Well, you should know. You introduced us, which is weird. I'm not even sure why you were there. <laughs> I stumbled in out of the rain. <laughs> oh my God! Is this a hating Jurassic Park convention? <laughs> Here, Al, meet <laughs> meet my friend Amanda. My water glass was uh, shaking, so, you know, I thought it was the most profound thing ever committed to film. Mm-hmm. My work here is done. Uh-huh. Uh, what else? What else? Uh, I like the Joker's flight suit. Yeah, well, he's got a, he's got a, what was it, a Junior Airman cereal box? He's got a Cruncho badge. Cereal Junior Commando badge. That's it. Which is amazing. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I, I I mean, I we both agree on this, and I don't know how you feel about this, Mike. But whenever the Joker puts on a sort of a, a, a theme appropriate costume, mm-hmm. is always fun. He's he is almost as prepared as Batman, but just for mm-hmm. jokes. Yep, yep. 
I love it's that. So good. Yeah. And I assume like Two Face and Penguin is like, oh, good. He's got the he's got the flight jacket. He's got the goggles. He knows how to fly. No, I don't. <laughs> Doesn't know how to fly. No, oh, he's got a hat. It's not the same thing at all. I mean, you know, one of the other ones would do it, but you know, penguins can't fly. Oh, that's true. That's one of the things I know about penguins. Yeah. Thanks, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> um. Oh, and I well, love when he crashes the plane. He does the goofy scream. Oh yeah, I, that had to have been a uh, an ad lib from Hamill. Oh yeah, but it was so good. Yep. Because. You put that in the script, and the lawyers are going to say, "Oh, we can't do that." No, no, you can. I mean, if they anyone, did. well, if anyone can copyright a scream, it's Disney. Yeah, no question. I mean, that is a very distinctive scream. That's we all true. know it's the Goofy scream. Mm-hmm. It's that in the Wilhelm scream. That's the two most disti- distinctive screams. Yep. Well, that in the painting. Mm, yeah, but that's hard to work into audio. That's true. Um, what else? Anything? Uh, it's everything I got. Mike? Mike? Yeah, I think I think that's good. I definitely think Dick has been doing a Bruce impression for years. <laughs> and he's been, he's so excited. Well, do, do a you. Yes, of course. Hey, Alfred, I won't be late tonight. So tell Dick that uh, he's got to eat dinner by himself. <laughs> that's you, right? There's a there's a great I've been catching up on the new Justice League comic and there's a great moment where everyone in the Justice League does their impression of Batman. Oh god. It's fucking awesome. That's one of my favorite comedy things is when one character with a distinctive voice does the voice of another. Oh, it's our fate. <laughs> we do that yeah. all the time. Yeah, we would do it with Nick and Willikins all the time, uh-huh. which is very difficult. I I think you can agree. Mm-hmm. Because those characters don't sound anything like trying to make stick to one's voice, but also make it sound like the other. And oh, that's <laughs> yeah, it's fun, but mm-hmm. difficult. We did a whole body swap episode of Endeavor like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not our problem with different performers. Yeah. All right. So um, do you have a quote? Oh, yeah, I do. Actually, this is uh, Joker and uh, Two-Face. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Get out of my face, clown! Which one? Yep. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on. Mike, please tell okay. us about at least the first half of Heart of Steel. All right. I will hopefully get through this. Okay. Buckle up, because there's a lot going on here. We open this episode at Stately Wayne Enterprises, where everything's winding down for the day including, but not limited to, a faceless blonde woman who drops off a briefcase at the security desk and walks out, trailing sexy jazz music. Hey, you left your briefcase, the guard at the desk says in a stage whisper, because it's quitting time and he doesn't want the extra work. So the guards leave the perfectly normal case in the lost and found. Once it's alone, it, wait, is this briefcase turning into a robot? It is. Oh man, I hope this is a crossover. So the spindly-legged briefcase robot finds its way into a lab and easily rips off a bunch of big, old-timey microchips. Mini-chips, really. Which were probably new-timey back then. How ago is this? Right about now, Bruce Wayne is on his way home, too. But before he leaves for whatever Bruce Wayne's do after dark, uh, the lab alarm goes off and he's whisked into the security office for safekeeping, where instead of turning into a robot, he opens an awesome, swivelly secret entrance. Presumably, it's full of bat suits instead of fire and Nazis, 
because now Batman's on the case. Meanwhile, the robot doses the security guards with gas. Batman finds the briefcase robot, and he's pretty amused at having to fight it, because yeah, it's pretty amusing. The robot puts up a good fight until it reaches the roof and shoots off a rocket containing the stolen mini-chips. Bats, Bats retrieves a convenient hang glider from a rooftop closet and takes off after the rocket with a glider. But hey, he's the Batman here, I guess. The rocket lands at the beach right next to the sexy jazz music lady from the opening. She takes off in her car with a conspicuously robot-themed license plate and casually shoots Batman out of the sky, just as he manages to catch up to her. He's okay, though, so don't worry. After glumly dragging his glider several miles back to the Batcave, Bats loads it onto Chekhov's mechanical arms for repairs. There's a conversation with Alfred about the stolen chips being something called wetware, which I'm guessing is a completely made-up word for the purposes of tying in the artsy scene of Alfred mopping up the cave. It's got something to do with artificial intelligence and maybe electric sheep. The next day, Gordon himself interviews Bruce and Lucius Fox at the office, and they bring up robotics expert Carl Rossum, the most subtle example of nominative determinism in the DCAU. <laughs> Rossum runs a company called Cybertron, and are we sure this isn't a crossover or a prequel? The interview ends when Barbara Gordon makes her first appearance, and we see that Jim is having a hard time with his daughter getting older, and as the father of two daughters, why would you bring that up, Batman, the animated series? <laughs> Bruce heads to Cybertron, not that one, and talks to Rossum in his mechanical house, where we find out what exactly went wrong with the Nexus 6 replicants, and also why his brothers Daryl and Daryl were so silent and robotic. <laughs> as part of Bruce's tour, Rossum shows off his latest achievement, the unfortunately named Hardak, which stands for Holographic Analytical Something Something Computer. It's about four stories tall with a glowing red eye at the top, so it puts Bruce right at ease. Uh-oh, he thinks. Here's a really dangerous antisocial computer. I need to stop you there for a minute and point out that <laughs> that spells hardack, which may not be apparent to the uh, listeners, but I think is goddamn brilliant. Please continue. Rossum introduces Bruce to his cold-handed assistant, Randa Sexy Jazz Music Duane. But I'm not a robot, she's quick to point out. Randy, you say, Bruce smoothly replies. He makes a date with Randa to wheedle more information out of her. And once he and Rossum leave, Hardak yells at Randa and starts building more robots. Or duplicates, because it sounds more Blade Runnery. <clears throat> Next, we have a brief interlude from the zapping joke, in which Gordon is tased and replaced by Robo-Gordon. Barbara is suspicious of the duplicate, but soon figures his terseness means that he's mad at her. As a dad, this is absolutely the most believable part of this episode. <laughs> Randa meets Bruce at his office for their date, why not, but leaves her makeup compact on his desk. It transforms into a tiny robot and breaks into Bruce's fancy computer. At this point, Bruce has taken Randa home like so much Vicky Vale, but he has to leave so that Lucius can fill him in on the computer theft. Bruce, of course, keeps all of his company's real files at home, which seems like something he would have mentioned to someone who does whatever Lucius does. So Hardak overhears this through the makeup robot and then calls Randa while Bruce is out of the room. And she has no phone. It's a robot thing, right? She zaps Alfred, snoops around and finds the Batcave, steals the data, messes with the Batcomputer, and takes off as fast as her clanky little feet can take her. <laughs> Robots are certainly efficient, assuming she isn't not one. <laughs> Bruce comes home and sheds his fake voice immediately upon seeing Alfred. The old guy's probably fine, so he changes outfits and heads down to the cave. 
It's quiet until he asks the computer what's up and it freaks right on out. Yes, no, yes, no, it flashes on the screen. You have won a Bahamas cruise. Just click here. I have hacked your accounts and will lock your computer unless you send $1,000 in Bitcoin to this address. <laughs> Even worse, those mechanical arms from earlier. Yeah, they're back. And they're grabbing bats and pulling them into the air like a bat-shaped wishbone. He yells, help, another really dangerous asshole computer. Oh, wait, I think I see what's going on here. And we fade out on to be continued. Also, that spelled hard act again. Very uh -huh. good. <laughs> see, it's a little more obvious in writing. <laughs> Oh, very, uh, very good. Yeah. Except uh, I think it would be Batcoin and not Bitcoin. Oh, oh yes. I missed but, that. Uh, but I, I, did, I did appreciate your, uh, your, your last crusade reference. Don't think that went on. <laughs> <laughs> Always enjoy that. Yeah, this was fun. Mm -hmm. This was a great one. And uh, I, all of us have seen both parts of this and do not remember what happens in the second part. I, so, I'm sure uh, more robots show up. I, yeah, I I would guess and that. And then Batman yes, fights the robots. Yes, I'm excited for that. I, as I said, I am a robot enthusiast. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was this was some great robot. This was that, that retro future shit that I love. I mean, it's, let's just roll into my good thing. These robots yeah. kick ass. Yeah, this is that very Art Deco, like, sort of 40s looking vacuum tube mm -hmm. shit, but also robots. Like, like I love the big room full of Hordak. It's mm -hmm. awesome. Oh, no, you're saying Hordak, which is the guy from She-Ra. That's right, Hardak. Uh-huh. Excuse me. Which we will get <laughs> can't to imagine in a how, Can't imagine how I made that mistake. It's, it's uh -huh. also not Horda, which is a rock monster. That's true. Right. No, kill him. Different. Yeah, very good. No, it, it all looks very good. But actually, Hardak takes us to Mike's bad thing. Mm. Um, yeah. So did the writers hire a bunch of 12-year-olds to, to name this computer? Because <laughs> that name is terrible. It's like I mean, I'm I mean we all know. Well, I don't know that we all know, but uh, all the computer names started with like uh, Eniac and sure. uh, what, what's the other one? Univac. Mm. Like that's where Brainiac comes from. Like all the all the sci-fi computers and like comic book computers no that kidding. end in that ack. Yeah, I thought it was a combination first... of Brain and Maniac. I'll see myself it, out. I mean, no, it might be. Uh huh. But it might also be a reference to the Univac and the ENIAC, like the big, huh. the big room-sized computers you see. It stood for analog computer, the the AC. Oh, huh. That oh. I didn't know. So, uh, like, I think uh, Brainiac might be one of those like great double meaning things. Yeah, it's like this this works on both levels. But uh, that's why you see a lot of those names like that. And I think they were just like, okay, let's go with that naming convention. But it's got holograms in it, and uh, mm. this sounds like a bad guy, Hardak. And you're not wrong; they didn't run it by like I've always said. You need to run it by some twelve year olds to make sure. <laughs> like, okay, does this look like a dick? Okay, no, good, we're good. All right. I, I, I think they should have called him Computo, the thinking computer. <laughs> I heard the, well, that. Uh, then the runner up then his was connection. Like boner pewter. So I yeah, think they did better. <laughs> I think his connection to the Zeta project would be like way more obvious than that. <laughs> but I I don't know, like I I mean you're not wrong. I just my my mind didn't go there immediately, but well you know. I, I have a I have a tiny twelve year old living inside my head, so <laughs> I mean we all do. I just <laughs> I don't feed mine, so uh. <sighs> No, I, I, I definitely noticed that. Uh, although Matt kept calling him Hordak, and so yeah, it's Hordak. Think of him as like friend of Skeletor, cut-rate cut Skeletor. 
Like, yeah, I know he's supposed to be Skeletor's boss, but he showed up later. Come my on. boss! <laughs> be cool, man. My boss is coming over for dinner. I gotta put a shirt on. You know how hard it is to find a shirt to fit these pecs? <laughs> Whoops, to Whoops, tore another one. <laughs> Evil Lynn is not impressed. Ugh. I can't take you anywhere. <laughs> So, um, my good thing, well, Matt got here first, so I couldn't take my main one, which is, yay, robots. I love robots. So, instead, let's talk about that, and Mike mentioned this briefly in his mm -hmm. uh, in his summary, that entirely unnecessary, extremely artful shot of Alfred's slop bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Have he's, mopping up the, he's mopping up the water in the Batcave, and it's just this gorgeous shot of his mop, like, with ripples in the water reflecting Bruce as he walks like over it mm -hmm. it's so beautiful and why yeah this like this uh, this isn't a bad animation episode at all by any stretch of the imagination no no but, they got the good team yeah but like the like just this one guy who's obsessing over like i gotta nail this mop bucket scene no and we pointed out a couple others and i don't remember them now maybe mm -hmm. you guys do but like there were a few other little flares where like i oh mike you had pointed out when uh batman crashes uh on the beach right Oh, that looks so good. And there's some very, like, pretty, like, just sand trickling off of his uniform mm. as he's, like, uh, picking himself up and just very nice. And, again, it's like these people are just so passionate about their work and their storyboarding and they just, like, they put in a little overtime and they put in some extra stuff that only they're going to notice. Mm -hmm. But it's just so beautiful and I, I love that. But, like, there's also that weird shot of Batman in the elevator where only his mouth moves. <laughs> yeah, it's a very Space Ghost shot where yeah. he's sort of hunkered down. You can't see his neck. <laughs> and he's got that look, that Space Ghost look. Bat Ray. <laughs> it, costs, uh, it costs Cartoon Network $62 every time I move my arms. Are you getting enough oxygen, briefcase robot? <laughs> God, I love briefcase robot so much. Briefcase robot is amazing. Like, t speaking of how good the animation was... Mm -hmm. I was saying this to you guys earlier, like, on paper, like, if they hadn't designed all this stuff just right, it could have been real stupid. We've seen a hundred cartoons where they try this kind of thing. Sure. Where where everyday objects have robotic qualities and do crazy sinister robot things. That's a, that's a pretty common, like, mm. cartoon thing. And often it looks really dumb. Or you could storyboard it perfectly, and it could get to the animation team, and it could be the one who did the last episode. Yep. And... They could fuck it up, but they oh. didn't, and it all looks so good. Like the the a briefcase sprouting legs. Mm -hmm. it, it there are so many ways that could go wrong, and it looks great. Yeah, it looks menacing. It defeats Batman, but it's also funny. Yep, like it's funny, but not that's ridiculous and stupid. Mm -hmm. It's just it's it's absurd, but also it works. It's it's great. I love it, mm -hmm. and it's got all these different like it's got an eye and it it shoots a rocket and. I don't know. It just, it's absurd. It's a ridiculous thing that couldn't exist, and yet I completely believed that it existed. Oh, yeah. The, the rocket concept was, was pretty clever, too. It just gets to the roof and shoots a rocket out of itself, and mm -hmm. um, no reason for that other than this clever idea they had. Yeah. Yeah. No, and all of, all of the design is like that. Like, it's not just aesthetically pleasing, but it all sort of works, mm -hmm. and it's great, and I love it. I love it so much. Can we can we talk a little bit about the actual lab too? Like, oh yeah, I want. So Bruce goes to visit. Uh, what the hell is the guy's name? 
Uh, Rossum. 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 Mm-hmm. At his at his lab, and it's just like yeah, this gets... is where all the background, like all the all the aesthetic stuff, really comes together because you got like gorgeous backgrounds and yeah. everything. And it's just it, like he's just crammed it full of robots. Like there's a little robot that like greets Bruce at the door, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> there's another robot that plays the trumpet when he arrives. Yeah, it's like the fanfare <laughs> robot. Just <laughs> that's just its a, job. Just a robot that perched over the elevator that goes. Mm-hmm. And that could just be like a trumpet on a pole. It doesn't yeah. have to look like a person. That shit <laughs> made my day. I like. We don't see a whole lot of this dude. This dude, but I love. I I love his weird little house full of like fancy robots, and it's, some of them are very cool and show off his technology. Some of them, just there's no point to them at all. Yeah. Like he's got an ottoman that squeezes your feet. That's yep. not pleasant. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants that. I'm massaging by massaging your feet, Bruce. That's okay. Thanks. No, what you're doing is squeezing them together like a nutcracker. That's not that's not relaxing. You want some more cappuccino from my lamp? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not gonna say no. <laughs> this lampuccino's pretty good, actually. <laughs> this but this is by far the best lampuccino I've ever tasted, and I've been to Paris. <laughs> City of Lampuccinos. Yeah. Says so right on the sign. Yeah. I liked the dude, uh, so uh, Mike, you mentioned this in your summary that he's the uh, guy who played Larry of Larry, Daryl, yeah. and Daryl. Um, he was also in Blade Runner, apparently. Yeah. Uh, who was he in Blade Runner? I'm, I am he was, willfully unfamiliar with that movie. It's been a long time since I've seen that. He was the geneticist, I think, that helped develop the replicants. Mm. Not duplicants. That's a different right. thing. No. Mm. Very, very legally what, important. Yeah. Um. But uh, the the actor's name is uh, William Sanderson, and what I like, this is this is just one of those things. Like I was talking about in the last episode, where you cast someone with an accent, and there's no reason. Like he's southern, and what I like is he's not a caricature. Like southern is usually like a corrupt sheriff, or like a country bumpkin, mm-hmm. or maybe like a preacher. But this is a reputable scientist type, and okay, yeah, maybe he'll end up being the bad guy. But still, he's southern for no reason other than. Some people sound like they're from different places. Yeah. And it's a nice little detail that most shows don't bother with. Mm-hmm. And it's nice. It's like, yeah, Bruce, I'm a, I'm a smart guy, and also I sound like this. <laughs> Good. You don't see that very much. No. We also got um, Leslie Easterbrook from the Police Academy movies <laughs> as, uh, as Randa. That was odd. Yep. And uh, Who's as supposed Barbara, to look like uh, Marilyn Monroe, I guess. Yeah, she looks very much like Marilyn. Actually, and uh, what's-his-face looks like William H. Macy. It's weird, like... I don't know if he was a thing yet. I don't know if that was intentional I could not. be, like, that could just be something I was thinking of. But, like, as the the first shot of him, I'm just like, well, that looks like William H. Macy. Mm-hmm. It might be. I mean, yeah. he might have been... I, I The first time I was really aware of him was Fargo, which hadn't happened yet. But no. That doesn't mean he wasn't a thing yet. Um, but then also we have, uh, uh, as Barbara, uh, Melissa Gilbert. Yeah. Is, uh, one of Roseanne's daughters. She's been in a bunch of other stuff. But, mm. uh, but... Actually, uh, Melissa Gilbert, I think, was the um, Little House on the Prairie daughter. Oh, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Who am I thinking of? You might be thinking of Sarah, Sarah Gilbert. Sarah Gilbert. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Also very good. Different sounding voice, yeah. though. Different Gilbert. Yeah, you're right. Um, but Barbara kind of brings us to your bad thing in a way. Matt. Oh yeah, this is a reach because I like this one, but I want more Barbara. 
I love this well, character. I was not expecting her to show up in this episode. I was super excited when she did, and I want more. We're going to get more. I mean, presumably she's in the next episode, and then obviously later she'll become Batgirl. Also, weirdly, she looks like uh, Mary Jane Watson in this. Like she's dressed exactly like her. I guess every time you see someone who has the same hair color as someone from Spider-Man, you think they're a Spider-Man character. It's not that, though. It's also, like, the shirt she wears. It looks exactly like the first uh, MJ appearance. It's weird. Mm. I mean, All right. there's, there's nothing wrong with that. No. No, there isn't, of course. <laughs> it's just like, oh, hey, look, that's Norman Osborn. Hey, that's Mary Jane. Look, not everyone's from Spider-Man. Everyone is from Spider-Man. Hugo Strange is just Dr. Octopus without his wig. <laughs> Like, Alfred is not Aunt May. That's a real reach, Matt. <laughs> going to make you some more wheat cakes, sir. Mm -hmm. Then I'm no, going to I... have my 80th heart attack. <laughs> and I'm going to date Dr. Octopus. <laughs> no, I, I do see the resemblance there. What I like, we talked about this before with, um, with Lucius, is this is a supporting character who will be more important later. And yep. they didn't just pull her from out of nowhere for to become Batgirl. She's... She's here. Yeah. Like, they've they've set her up so that later it's not like, oh, and also Jim has a daughter. Mm -hmm. That's the uh, the Two-Face thing all over again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was that's another good example. And I like like her relationship with Jim is there immediately. Mm -hmm. Like and and Mike, you said some of this kind of hit close to home. Like yeah. the the fact that she's got a teddy bear and Jim is super embarrassed to talk about it, but she's like, yeah, that's my whoopee. What the hell? <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that, is, that is definitely a thing. When your kids start to get older, um, you start to think about when they were younger, and, and they don't, yeah. the kids don't care the same way about that. So Right. Yeah. But, I mean, some kids definitely pull away, and they're like, eh, but she's not like that. Yeah. And that's, I, I appreciate that, because TV doesn't always get that right. It's like usually they make the dad the, the the tough one and the and the kid the sentimental mm -hmm. one. It's like in this case it's the other yeah. way around, and I I like that. And he's like they they do this cute little blush animation on on Jim when he's talking. <laughs> That's about her. so good. Like right in front of the billionaire. That's yeah, her I, teddy bear. I like when he comes back into it. I forgot her bear. Uh huh. It's very very good. It's and. and it's enough establishing of that relationship that when he is then replaced by a robot, it means mm. something to us. It's not like out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, well, father, daughter, I guess they have a connection, whatever. Like, they put the work in mm -hmm. so that it's like, oh, she's she's going to be really unsettled by this. I no, am no, fine. He's, he's fine. Yeah. He that's, said he was. That's he's fine. What I hear. Robots can't lie, so. Yeah. I'm fine. fine. Fuck this bear. Beep oh, boop. Oh, no. <laughs> he just ripped out his other eye. Beep boop. <laughs> It's something your mother used to say. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Who you were just named bring, after? <laughs> just bring up, uh, bring up her mother, and she'll get too uh, too emotional to think about it too mm -hmm. much. That's that's the uh, that's the smoke screen there. Uh, there's also while we're talking about Barbara, I love the uh, the shot of her just going over the couch. Oh yeah, when she realizes something might be uh, might be wrong. Like it's such an unnecessary bit of animation but it sticks out so much like it's it's such a great sort of like character thing for her and they know she's going to be back girl so it's oh, yeah. a nice little bit of foreshadowing like look she's a woman of action something's going on and she's right there she's mm -hmm. a hero yeah and that's a good that's a good way to plant that in our heads for anyone who might not know that that girl doesn't go around the couch she didn't have time for that kind of thing she goes over it's the just, couch 
it's like in that episode where Batman like fell down and he did this elaborate flip to stand up. Yeah. Like, you you could just stand up. Nah. Who are you showing off for? You, the kids at home. Uh-huh. Ah. <laughs> you guys you guys want to see something really cool? Flip flip flip. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was really cool, Batman. I know I'm Batman. <laughs> um, Mike, what was your good thing? Um my my good thing was that um I love the intersection between Batman and this this big sci-fi idea of the machines rising up to take over the world. Um, yeah, that's something that has has been coming up more and more as we're getting closer to AI actually rising up to take over the world. Oh, can't, they can't get here fast enough, honestly. Yeah, I mean they they can have it. We've, we've yeah. fucked it we're, up. It's their turn. We're not doing that great with it. So yeah, um, but uh, it it makes sense in this universe that Batman is going to be the guy to stop that. I mean, I don't remember the next episode. I'm assuming he does that, but uh, uh, yeah, it's um, just those those two ideas kind of clashing. Um, I really like. Uh, yeah. No, and and it's something that these guys have to be very careful with. The guys making the show because, like, the DC universe has magic and it has hyper advanced science, and if you don't give it exactly the right touch, it's going to feel like okay that doesn't really fit with all the other stuff you put in here, mm-hmm. but it, it does, it works in this world. And now, now that you've done it once, you can come back to these crazy sci-fi ideas and it's like, Oh no, there's precedent. This works. And like the first time they do a full on like weird magic episode, it'll be the same way. And yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that fits here too. This all works in the same world and it's, you know, it's great. I love it. I would love to see the show take a weird left turn and suddenly the entire rest of the run is about Batman fighting robots who've taken over the world. That would be fine with me. That mm-hmm. actually sounds really cool, right? I mean, maybe that's the Zeta Project. Who knows? It's like we all, built. All it. I know is all I know is your take on it. I don't actually know what the show is. Yeah, and my take on it is completely inaccurate because I've never seen a single episode of the Zeta yeah. Project. I watched it all could. of the Zeta Project. Okay, well, does Was he learn it? how to cry? I think he learns to be more human. Yes, travels, does he learn a little bit every day. Travels from town to town, helping people and learning to be more human. Mm-hmm. That's see, that's what I thought. I was hoping I was wrong. <laughs> Is it good, or did you watch it just because you're a nerd and you have to watch all it's of everything? Because I watched Batman Beyond, and that's probably uh-huh. my favorite of these shows. Mm-hmm. And that spun off, and I thought I'll give this a try. And because mm-hmm. I'm a completist nerd, I, I sure. watched it all. And I don't say that in a derogatory sense. Oh, of course. We have both fallen into that trap many, many times. Oh yeah, we sat through all of Enterprise for Christ's oh, sake. Sure did. Why would you bring that up? We. Because I can't stop thinking about it. We realized that show sucked by the end of season one. Like, yeah, and they didn't realize it until never, never. never. They still think it's good. Yeah. Oh, I saw an interview with the guy who played uh, Travis the other day saying I'd love to do more Enterprise. Yeah, well, no one else would. No, that's not true. A lot of people would. I anyway. mean, I can understand Travis wanting to. It's not like he got anything to do in that show. Mm, that, yeah, and also he had to go back to General Hospital. I think. <laughs> yeah, that's a good paying gig. Yeah, I'm sure General Hospital had much better scripts. Yeah. I mean, I would enjoy watching it more for sure. Oh, yeah. You love Uh, soap operas and hospitals. Um, I like one of those things. (laughs) Now, give me a soap opera about robots. Old hospital fan Al. Mm Mm-hmm. That's one thing people know about me. Yeah. I got an old ambulance I like to fix up. (laughs) Uh, What else? Uh, Needs more Oh, my bad thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, and and Mike already talked a little about this, but uh, the robot arm that removes Batman's glider when he came back, 
felt weirdly out of place, like they were telegraphing something. And oh, look, they were telegraphing they something. They sure were. There are machines in the Batcave that are turning against Batman. Like, I, I mean, I guess I get it, but the Bat, the uh, the the uh, Batmobile and the Batwing and probably the motorcycle have some kind of computers in them. Mm-hmm. You could have you could have used stuff that was already there. I mean, you're missing the best idea, which is that we could have Batman have to fight his own robot dinosaur. At some point, the dinosaur shows up mm-hmm. in the Batcave, and I don't think we ever find out how, and I'm not going to be that wiki and call it a production inconsistency, but, like, I don't know if it's a robot dinosaur is what I'm getting at, or if it's, like, a wax statue, in, or... I don't, I don't know, know about this, but in everything else, it's a robot dinosaur. Well, maybe Like, in the is. comics, it's a robot dinosaur. Who's... And who's in my head, it's T-Rex it? from Dinosaur Comics. Who, well, yes, of course. Just stepping on who, a little house in the, in the Batcave. Uh-huh. Who talks to God. Yeah. Who, whose whose dinosaur was it? Like whose plot was it to to use that thing? I don't know. All of those things in the cave, like, are tied to like Silver Age, uh, uh, yeah. comics. But I I can never remember what the dinosaur is from. Because like I could definitely see the Penny being a few different guys. Penny's from like the I think it was called like the Bad Penny Caper or something. Like it wasn't mm. a Two Face one. No, no. I, what I'm saying is I could easily see that being a Joker one. Or, like it's it's pretty easy just to. To twist that into anybody's gimmick, really. But a dinosaur is very specific. Like, the penguin could have a dinosaur now because we know dinosaurs are birds, but they didn't know that back then. So, uh, I don't know. Looks like Batman 35. It, so that's definitely Golden Age. Dinosaur Island. Oh, this is that's, just the, that's the island that uh, Darwin Cook used in New Frontier. Yeah. Like, it shows up a bunch in early DC comics just because they loved having an island full of dinosaurs that people fought. Uh, this is a super... Oh, yeah, Batman 35. Yeah. It's a theme park called Dinosaur Island. It was Oh, no, never mind then. I understand. I can understand the confusion. Yeah. No, there was an actual Dinosaur Island, which was like DC's Savage Land that characters just kept popping up in and fighting dinosaurs. Yeah. Because it's cool to draw characters fighting dinosaurs. It is. You know what's cooler, though, is fighting robots. What if a robot fought a dinosaur, though? What about robot dinosaurs? Eh. No. Yeah, I know everyone loves them. I'm not right. a fan. You've diluted yeah. the brand too much. <laughs> no, that that's definitely not it. It's that it's a terrible disguise. <laughs> Robots in disguise, huh? Oh, well, I was chasing a robot, but now there's just a 30-foot-tall silver and gold Tyrannosaurus here. Oh, well. Grunting at me and, like, blends and right in. Talking with poor grammar. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Me am yeah. actual dinosaur. Oh, it's just a Captain Caveman enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Uh, well, speaking speaking of what what was up with calling the company Cybertron? I mean, that was probably like all a lot of these writers wrote for other animation, and mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe this writer wrote for Transformers, or yeah. Did I, also, it's kind of a generic robot sounding name. Maybe they didn't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they're big Tron I, fans like Al. I, look, I'm not not a Tron fan. <laughs> I will just never watch that movie. That's a very important distinction. Oh, uh, that's fair. It's... It, it, Bob kept getting me to... <laughs> trying to get story. me to watch it, and I refused. That's, <laughs> that's the whole story. No, he used to hide it in your backpack. <laughs> well, that's what it escalated to. <laughs> Was I got home from school one day and emptied out my my homework books and stuff, and here's a 
VHS copy of Tron. Bob, I'm still not watching this. I love the logic that it's just like, maybe if I give him Tron and he doesn't know where it came from, he'll just have to go, well, I guess I have to watch Tron. I don't even know why I didn't want to originally, but it just turned into, I'm never going to watch this. <sighs> but no, I probably would love it. I just, you know, mm. now it's a matter of principle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's what I'm, that's what I'm afraid of. It's probably fine. Uh-huh. After 30 years of buildup, that's fine. I mean, as far as, you know, movies about Jeff Bridges and a computer, you can do worse. You can also do really? better. Tron Legacy exists. I was going to say, what what movie with Jeff Bridges in a computer is worse? I don't know. Big Lebowski 2, now I'm in a computer. <laughs> I mean, the, for one thing, the title's terrible. It's not a great title. No. You expect more from the Coens. Well, it was their first sequel. They, they got scared. Mm. You would think... Like, it would be one of those direct-to-video, like, somehow we lost the rights, but the company has the, you know, the name kind of things. It's a, it's a, it's a knockoff. It's called, like, the Large Lebowski. Of course. All right. Anything else? That's everything I got. Yep. Mike? All right. Uh, You have a quote for us, Mike? I do. It's when Bruce comes back to find Alfred injured and... Switches immediately from Bruce voice to Batman voice. Alfred? Randa? Alfred! Alfred? I like that. Yeah, I always enjoy that too. Uh, Alfred takes a lot of punishment this, in this sure pair of episodes. He sure does. Poor guy gets a ether-soaked rag in the previous episode and then gets full-on like taser zapped in this one. Mm-hmm. Not great. Also, they said they use like bro. sodium. Uh, what is it? Sodium pentothal. Sodium pentothal, the truth serum, yeah. which is like you got to administer that if uh, TV has led me to believe anything through the world's largest needle. Uh huh. That's that's how you do it, mm-hmm. obviously. And he's not. He doesn't have his spy background yet, so he probably doesn't know how to resist it. No. Like that. That comes at least in the animated version. I don't think we get that at all. I think this one's just a fussy butler. <laughs> They just show him the needle. It's like, ah, oh, Bruce Wayne is Batman. <laughs> if you pull on the book that says secret entrance to the Batcave, it will open the secret uh, bookcase. It's one of the wow, three really? books we have here at Wayne Manor. Mm-hmm. The rest of them are just facades. <laughs> all right. Well, I suppose that's all for this time. Yeah. Uh, Mike, you got anything you'd like to plug? I do. Um, I have got a store on Redbubble mm-hmm. where I'm selling t-shirts that i've designed um you can get there at uh redbubble.com slash people slash mike's fridge um Mm -hmm. you can also find me on instagram at mike's refrigerator and i'm trying to put up a new piece of art every week Uh, i've been doing that for a few weeks now Um, you get some great stuff up there yeah i'm looking at it right now Mm -hmm. um so yeah you can find me there at either place i've been doing both of those for not not real long, but um, mm-hmm. kind of getting things ramped up. So, yeah, it's it's great stuff. And like mm-hmm. I said, you've also done some like you've done a bunch of uh, cover art for our Star Trek fanfic show. Yeah. Endeavor. Yeah. You also actually designed the new uniforms for our characters, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah, I would uh, I would definitely plug Endeavor too because um, if a, you must, <laughs> it's a really fun show, and uh, you know everybody involved does great work. I, we we enjoy making it, and I always wonder what the like crossover appeal is. Is the thing mm-hmm. like I assume these nerds like nerd stuff? Who knows? 
But yes, we do a Star Trek fanfic show. It comes out monthly. It is after we reviewed the entirety of Star Trek up to Picard season one. Like we're not, we haven't done all of it now that Lower Decks is a thing. But we yeah. did, uh, we have reviewed 99.8% of the, the franchise. Mm-hmm. We said, there's some things in Star Trek that we never really saw that we'd like to see. Or that we liked and we would like to see more of. Yes. So we made our own. And uh, Matt and I write all the scripts. And we have a extremely talented uh uh, cast of voice actors and we have a, a composer to make the original score mm-hmm. like it's it's really just like become this incredible thing and uh and we're, we're very proud of it and yes. it is at ussendeavor.com uh also uh if you want to get bonus episodes of that or bonus episodes of this show uh we are now monthly reviewing the dc uh straight to video uh, uh movies uh, it is patreon.com slash Algar. It is a pay what you want, take what you want mm-hmm. situation. You can donate as little as a dollar and get all that stuff. So, like, we have already posted our review of um, Superman Doomsday. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming up real soon is our review of New Frontier, which my favorite comic adapted to a pretty decent movie. Yeah. So, so check that out. Uh our website is kidslovebatman.com. If you want to write to us, it is kidslovebatmanpodcast at gmail. We will be doing an episode where we answer your mail. Mm-hmm. So if you have something you would like us to address or something you just want to say to us, write to us. We're going to do a whole episode coming up real soon at the halfway point of, of Batman the Animated Series where we where we answer your mail. So uh, yeah. write to us. Uh, we are on Twitter at Algar, at Robot Matt. And that's all for this time. Yeah. See you, folks. For more information about this show and the people who make it, visit kidslovebatman.com. To provide financial support for this show and all of the shows produced by Algar Productions, consider a pledge at patreon.com Algar. That's double A-L-G-A-R. The Kids Love Batman podcast is a co-production of Matt Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Copyright 2020, Algar Productions. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.